Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 21, coming at you on Wednesday, July 21st. Today, we are going to continue our division previews. We've got the NFC North up today, going to run through the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers, and the Minnesota Vikings. As always, head on over to ffballallday.com. Check out our content. We're posting daily. Uh, Lots of new articles, good stuff coming out there. And if you are not a member of our Patreon, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts and subscribe for a lot of great content we got coming up. With that, let's get into the show. North today. We're going to hit these four teams in just a minute, but we did get some breaking news today. Some very big news. If you missed it, Cam Akers, torn Achilles, uh, man, just a tough break. Really sad to see a young kid like that, uh, suffer such a severe injury. Cam Akers, a guy that was hotly, uh, debated this off season. So a guy, you know, we have a guy here, Sam Ehrman, who, has talked a lot about Daryl Henderson in the past. So I just want to let Sam uh, kind of, what do you make of the acres injury and, and the situation now? Well, I, it sucks. I mean, it really does. Like if you follow me or the scouts on Twitter, you knew that we liked Darrell Henderson as a, a standalone guy this year. Um, and obviously every, every piece of analysis is out of the window up to this point about Cam Akers and that running back room. It, it's Darrell Henderson and nobody now. Um, I I don't know what to expect with Cam Akers. We'll need more information. I would say trade for him right now, but even I want more information before I'm saying, you know, go do this or you'll go give up this. Um, you get sellers right now. They want a one and buyers don't want to pay more than that. We need more information and we'll get it as time comes. Um, moving forward, Darrell Henderson's, ADP is going to shoot up and probably to the third round. Um, He's got top 12 potential. Um, None of this top seven crap, like that's not going to happen. Um, He's a really good player, but he's not that good. Um, And I didn't think Cam Akers was that good either. That's why I was always lower on him. Um, Unfortunately, we may never know now. Um, With an Achilles, the statistical odds are against him. It would be him against him in the field. Um, he, we've never seen a running back come back, um, to the level they were before, um, for his sake and everything, you know, I hope that's not the case. I mean, talking about a five-star recruit with an athletic profile that matches out great to be successful in the NFL. So, um, it really sucks about Cam Akers and you hate to see it, but it happens. Um, he's the first domino to fall and unfortunately there will be more, um, with the Rell Henderson, you're drafting him. I mean, right now his ADP is probably still a value um, if you're doing any drafts today. But in the next week or so, it'll climb up to that third, fourth round, and that's fair. I mean, it really is. It's a good ADP for him. If it gets in the second round, I'm going to have an issue. I'm gonna have, I'll am gonna. i have just as much of an issue as it was Cam Akers. Um, that second round, first round stuff, that someone starts talking top five, that's nonsense. Um, he's not that good. 
Um, he's a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 at the worst, um, barring health. And Darrell Hudson has had his own issues staying healthy. Um, you know, he was hurt week 13 on last year, went on to IR. Um, his rookie year, he missed a bunch of games, um, ended up going on IR. So he's not a, necessarily a track record of gold. So it, it's the first major domino to fall and we'll have to play it out. But, you know, I just want to come on and say, as we get more information, we will give you more information. We will do everything we can to lead you guys down the right path because right now I don't want to say something and have to completely retract or go backwards. And I know none of these guys do as well. Like, so with that being said, we just got to keep moving forward. And right now you've got to go get Darrell Henderson if he's still a good value and we'll leave it at that for 2021. Yeah. Well said, Sam. Um, just a sad situation for acres. Uh, but We'll have to uh, kind of wait and see if they add anybody else or what that backfield looks like. And we have not done that division preview yet, so we'll dig a little bit more into it. Uh, we don't even we don't even know anything about the injury. We just know it's torniculus. It could be a very minor one. It could be like the worst meniscus injury or ace, you know, the worst injury ever. Like the worst Achilles injury. I mean, like we don't know how bad it is yet. Like right now the only information is probably a misinformation and I don't want to spread that. Um, training camp starts next week. And if you're not a Patreon member, we, I mean, we do have that um, deal going on August 1st. If you sign up, you get your month free, but August, you know, that's the busiest month for me. I mean, I am pumping out stuff all the time during training camp, Like training camp's my time to shine. Um, and I think everybody knows that. And I'm excited about that. I love training camp season. Um, it's all I do. Um, you know, so you can meet us on the Patreon. And as I get more information and all this stuff, um, the content's going to come. But right now, just kind of stay on alert. I mean, you can sniff around for acres, but don't overpay. Don't even consider paying what you were yesterday. I mean, that's how fast this stuff changes. So just... If you trust us, I mean, if you're here, you probably trust us. We will try to lead you down the right path. We're going to take it by, you know, patience and information. You know, I always say project forward always. And right now, the, with the few pieces of information we have, we can't do that. So we've got to play it by the now. Yeah, that's a good point. So go get that free Patreon membership. Uh, like Sam said, August is a very busy month. We'll have more injuries, more news pop up along the way. So August is a great time to get in there and be a member and catch a lot of our uh, info that comes out. So with that, uh, let's get into the NFC North, starting with the Chicago Bears. Andrew, uh, let's start with you. What do you what do you got for us on the, the Bears offense? Well, let's go ahead and kick it off right off with the most important position we got. Uh, you know, of course, the league winner, Andy Dalton this year, right? Now, honestly, if you got Andy Dalton, I hope you moved him for whatever you could the second he got taken up by the Bears this offseason. Uh, but Justin Fields, man, he looks like a fantastic rookie selection that you may have any, even been able to get around the 106, 107 range if you did your rookie drafts already at this point. Um Dude just looks like he has every single tool you need to be successful. It's really going to come down to making sure the coaches don't mess this kid up. Like I, I'm not worried when it comes to Fields' talents. We've seen it multiple years in college. The kid can do whatever you need him to. 
It's just going to come down to making sure Matt Nagy does just not mess up this kid and make him be one of those quarterbacks ends up busting in the first round. But overall, if you're able to get him, I think he's an excellent stash. We know he has the rushing floor. We know when it comes to quarterbacks, that Konami code quarterback is the way to go. He's going to elevate his own fantasy finish just by that alone right there. And he's an excellent passer from everything I've seen. I don't think he has an issue with that. So right now I already have him in my top 15. I know I hadn't seen him take a snap in the NFL yet, but – he is an electrifying rookie. I'm ready to see take the field, and I honestly don't think it's going to take even five weeks before he gets out there, and he's the guy leading the offense at that point. Uh, switching gears, I am not nearly as excited about that backfield, though. David Montgomery, we know, is going to be their main guy coming out again. He finished strong last year. Of course, you always hear the argument, but he faced a weak schedule. But it's not just that that gets me a little bit worried from last year. If I expect uh, Fields to take over that early into the season, I think that does cap just how many carries that Montgomery can take himself, not only just between the 20s on the cross the field, but also in the red zone. We know quarterbacks love to do that read option inside the red zone, and if they're good at it, they could steal a couple of touchdowns, and a couple of touchdowns can make a difference between a top 12 finish and a back end uh, running back two sometimes. So um, – not only that, we know we got Tariq uh, Cohen coming back this year. I know he tore his ACL last year. So I don't expect him to be a full go force like he was a couple years ago. Dude's got some talent. He'll take away some of the receiving work out of the backfield as well. But I'm expecting a kind of minor role for him. Um, the name to watch for that backfield, I don't think it's Damian Williams, but I think it's actually the rookie uh, Khalil Herbert. He looks like he could be an interesting chess piece that could kind of help spell – Montgomery with the long season, as well as helping out Cohen, kind of learning that receiving role as well. So overall, though, if you can get Montgomery to be a solid back in RB2, I think you've got something perfect right there. Uh, several leagues, I know he doesn't go super early, so I've been able to get him as a running back three, which is fine. I know he's going to get the volume enough to be a back in RB2, but I'm not looking for that RB1 type ceiling again. Uh, switching over, I think probably the most – disrespected receiver one out there across the league right now. It's going to be Allen Robinson. Dude is fantastic at football. We all know that. It's always been, well, he's never had a quarterback throw him the football. And with this me being as high as I am on fields, I think Allen Robinson's easily got a chance at finishing in that back end receiver one area when it comes to the NFL this year. He's only 27, so it's not like he's super old. We know receivers peak around that 27-28 season anyway. And everything could be lining up perfectly for him to come out and just help you out significantly this year. He's already gotten several finishes where he was six, seven, and nine. And seven and nine were just in the past two seasons long where he finished. But I've seen this guy easily go outside the top 15 every single time among receivers. So he's a big name I think you need to be trading for right now. Honestly, if you want to go compete, it's not going to cost you as much as any other receiver one. Your Calvin Ridley's, your Michael Thomas, anybody that has that back receiver one to mid receiver one potential, it's going to cost more than this guy right here. Now, I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on this one, but Darnell Mooney, I am, don't feel like I am as high on him as everybody else across Twitter is. Um, I've seen everything where it, it, they're showing this fantastic route runner he is, and he's able to beat coverage and get open, but I just don't know if I see enough volume. And I was uh, listening to 
podcast talk about it several weeks ago. Rookie quarterbacks, unless they can come out and be Justin Herbert, as far as having that type of rookie season, they struggle to have two really fantasy-relevant weapons beside them when it comes to the passing game. And so I just – I feel like Darnell Mooney's starting to get into that category to where he's been hyped up so much. It may have pushed his ADP a little bit past what I'm willing to go for because I don't know if he's got that potential even to be a back-end receiver three right now. Um, not a lot of the other guys I'm super impressed with. I mean, you got Anthony Miller there, but he's been off and on several years. I know they've been looking at potentially trying to – Probably won't even be on the team week one. Hey, that's he's the door. I wanted to jump in on your Mooney. Um, I think a lot of times people see a hard cut, and I think it's a good route. Um, he's a he's he's not an elite route runner. I mean, he's he's okay, um, but he's not some elite Deontay Johnson type route runner. And I, I agree with you. I think he's overhyped. I think he's a fine player. I think he's a, a a good deep threat who could you know do a little bit of damage underneath. But I don't really think he's going to have too much fantasy value. I mean. And what you just talked about with Fields and the rookie QBs never having two viable wide receivers. I mean, Gabe Davis and Darnell Mooney have just been these darlings, and they're good players, but the odds of – I think the honest-to-God odds of them actually being a useful option this year are less, much less than what people want to admit, at least with Gabe Davis. He's the clear three, um, you know, but Mooney has the opportunity to be the two, but the question is – is that pie enough? And I don't know. I mean, Daz Newsom broke his collarbone, which is huge for him, but or for Mooney. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on kind of everything you said, really. At least for 2021. And he is going Darnell Mooney, just for reverence. He is going, according to DLF, he's going as wide receiver 52 right now, which doesn't sound bad. Like that's, that's fine. It's just. <sighs> I think there's this belief on fantasy Twitter that he's a lot better than what he actually is. Yeah, I would agree with that. He can run fast and he can make some hard cuts. That doesn't make him some star. I mean, like, just be careful of some of the information out there on Twitter. I mean, wide receiver 52, I think, is fine. But if it gets any higher than that, I'm not interested. Um, I mean, really at all. Yeah, because he's still going above, like, Corey Davis, Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, guys like that. And I, I think, would much rather have Mike Williams. Yeah, Mike um, Williams is the one in that group that I would rather have too. I think I think Mooney could be interesting in like best ball because I did see he, him potentially having some big weeks. But yeah, I don't I see he any will, but he, coming. Yeah, like there'll be weeks where he'll have three for one twenty three and one. It's just you better hope you started him because the, the week before he got you two for fifteen. You know, I mean, like you know, but you'll never know when to start him. Um, he's he's just a fine player. He's not some special talent. Um, He's not an analytic gem. He's not a film gem. I mean, he's a late round draft pick who made a hard cut and made one good route. And when you go down and watch all of his games and all of his tape, he's fine. But he's got some serious flaws in his game. And I mean, you know, if you're if you're starting him as your second flex on a random week, that's fine. But if you're expecting to get this dude and start him as your wide receiver too, you're in trouble. Yeah, so, I mean, both of y'all brought up excellent points, kind of just back in what I was saying right there. Uh, we'll say I didn't know he was receiver 52, according to, you said D- DLF? Yep. So, I mean, Andrew, what ADP were you looking at, out of curiosity? Uh, Maybe 
typically also in Rotoviz. So let me pull that back up in just a second. I'll check that just to confirm. I thought I saw it maybe like early 40s. I think the last time I checked it. Well, and I've noticed like there's been some a few wide receivers with big differences on Rotoviz versus DLF, which is which is interesting. Yeah, it might be something we have to explore later just to see what the market is. But um I'll say could, that could burn. I don't think it's worth it. Redraft too though. Like I'm making sure I have it set for Dynasty. That's what I'm looking for. But, yeah, y'all have kind of hit most of the points. Newsom's out right now. There's no really any other receiver I would consider uh, when it comes to this offense. And the only other thing would be tight ends. Um, I do like Cole Komet. I think he's an option to look at. For I think he's going to be limited this year because we know we got Jimmy Graham there. Uh, Graham's that red zone weapon. is going to take a couple of those touchdowns that Komet needs to be relevant among tight ends. I, th- I think with Komet, um, he will be one of those guys who's a much better player for his team than a fantasy asset. And I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'm a Notre Dame guy, and Notre- and Cole Komet can play. But I just think the way they use him at the end to seal the edge, you know, check and release here and there, and then running some routes, I, I think, you know, it'll be a tight end too. Um, I mean, maybe a low-end tight end one, but those are never very pretty. Um, he's a really good player. I mean, he's an absolute star. It just does he get that opportunity, and we don't know because they use him as a real tight end. Oh, yeah. I'll say, I mean, I think his ceiling probably is a back end tight end one. So he's not someone I would recommend going in super heavy for, but I can see the ceiling possibly by year three where it breaks up. So if he's more one of those guys right now. I'd recommend just grab him, stash him on your bench. Maybe have him as a backup for one of your starting tight ends. That's a little bit more trouble staying on the field sometimes, or maybe a bye week guy. But that's that's about it for when it comes to the Bears. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I think you hit the nail on the head. I do agree that um, Allen Robinson is he's always underrated. He's uh, he's still one of the best receivers in the game, I think. And and I'm excited to see what he could do with Hurts. I actually don't think he's underrated. I think he's properly rated. It's just the problem is when you're doing a draft and when you're literally literal, linearly picking players, people fall naturally. And unfortunately, sometimes he's just a victim of it. I don't think at all he's disrespected. I mean, he's always a third, fourth round pick, and there's always superstars in that area every year. He's never, ever been one of those top 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 tier guys which makes him in the first second round but i think he's been properly rated it just it's like robert woods yeah and i i part of the reason i say that i i wrote about auction drafts recently and i've done a lot of auctions and my last one i got alan robinson i think for 105 dollars out of a thousand and a lot of the top receivers were going for like 150 160 170 so I just think, you know, the, the value that you get from him at the cost, I think is, yeah. he's just, he's a, he's a very, very good receiver. Um, he's a superstar. Yeah. Uh, I went ahead and looked it up. Uh, Rotoviz for the past month, their dynasty ADP had Allen Robinson going around uh, pick 66, which was receiver 18. So fantastic. Value for him. That, but, yeah. I so mean, fantastic value for him. Anyone that's getting him around there. Who are the guys right before him? Like, who are the two guys right before him? Let me pull that back real quick. So I went and I was trying to go find out. Darnell because it's probably someone like, I don't know, actually. I mean, like, 
Well, what's interesting on DLF, he's going as wide receiver 14, right in between DJ Moore and Chris Godwin. Okay, I'd rather have A-Rob over both of those guys personally, for at least for 2021. Yeah. Um, uh, but what I was curious about um, for Andrew, too, I just um, I just want to see the discrepancy and kind of the players you're picking between. Um, because, you know, DJ Moore, star, no doubt. But All right, so the three receivers I have ahead of him is T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, Chris Godwin. And then right after I have Devontae Smith. Amari Cooper and Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's way up there too. Yeah, give me um, without even hesitation, A Rob all of, over all of those guys. Um, the one I would discuss would be Ayuk. Um, wow. So according to that ADP, I think he's being criminally underrated. Yeah, that one's that's interesting to me. That that is that's a very interesting to see the difference in the ADPs. Honestly. Mm-hmm. And is, I mean, is uh, receiver 53, it turns out. He's gone around pick 139. So it sounds like he's just been more hyped up than where I guess his drafts have been going for me. But even so, based off historical trends, I'm not expecting him to be my receiver three finish or anything like that. And just to the, your last point or or to the point about David Montgomery, I completely agree with you. He His last – that last six games he faced – the Lions, who were worst run defense or gave up the most fantasy points to running backs, Texans, who gave up the second most, Jags, who gave up the third most, the Packers twice, who gave up the fifth most, and the Vikings, who gave up the sixth most. So just to kind of put in perspective how soft that schedule was. See, that's the difference between the argument for JT and David Montgomery. JT gets to face at Jacksonville and Texans defense four times this year. So – David Montgomery does not. The Titans defense is pretty easy. The Titans defense isn't very good either. Right. Exactly. I mean, that Titans run D is pretty pathetic. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's what Taylor gets to face. So, um, all right, let's move on to the Detroit Lions. I can't wait any longer to talk about. Quintess Cephas? Cephas. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, you let them know, Chad. You let him know. Um, we'll get to Cephas, but I, I'll start with TJ Hawkinson because he's the big name and he's a guy I've, I, you know, I wrote about him right after the season ended. I tweeted a lot about him and it's, it's pretty obvious and consensus now that he's like a top five tight end. But if you bought him earlier in the off season, like I did, he wasn't, you know, a lot of people thought they would bring in a lot more pass catchers than they did. Uh, but this guy's looking at probably like 120 targets. And, you know, I think I've debated Hawkinson versus like Fant and some of those other guys. A lot of people say they'd rather have, you know, somebody like Fant who's going a little bit later, who has a better shot to outperform their ADP. But Hawkinson is going at tight end five. And I think that might be his floor, honestly. He's with the targets he's going to see. And I should say every top five tight end over the past five seasons except Robert Tunyon last year have been first or second on his team in targets. So I think, you know, somebody like Fant, who I don't think he out targets Judy or Sutton. That's, you know, that's bad news for somebody like Fant. Hawkinson is going to lead this team in targets. He's going to be their number one pass catcher. Um, I just want to address, you know, cause that's an argument I've heard against Hawkinson is that he's going as tight end five and, you know, you'd, you'd rather have some of these other guys that are going a little later that could outproduce their ADP, but I think Hawkinson can outproduce tight end five. And another thing I've heard against him is that he only has eight touchdowns on 160 targets. It's not a great TD rate, but most tight ends 
struggle with that early in their career. And eight on 160 isn't all that bad. I mean, Kittle was at seven touchdowns on his first 199 targets in the league. So it's not uncommon for these tight ends to, to jump in TDs when they become kind of a more focal point of the offense. So, you know, another thing a lot of people point to is like, you know, Noah Fant, for example, I went back and forth with Austin in our group chat a while back about, he's just arguing that Noah Fant's metrics are just so much better than like Hawkinson's, for example. But if you look, I mean, Hawkinson has great metrics himself. He's not quite the athlete that like Darren Waller or Noah Fant is, but his metrics on player profiler, he's compared to Travis Kelsey. So you can kind of throw the metrics out the window and understand that Hawkinson has the metrics to succeed in this league. Um, I should point out, obviously you got a new quarterback. Damn, in so spicy right there. I love it. Hey, I, <laughs> I, Dude, I my, saw it in your eyes. I had to say something. I, I take my TJ Hawkinson takes seriously, man. And, and the thing is too, like I said, I, you know, a lot of people are touting him now. It's becoming very, very popular. I wrote about him. Like I told you to go buy him right after the season ended because I just knew, I mean, he finished his tight end five last year and I knew he could, could only go up from there, but with the new quarterback, I mean, Goff targeted his tight ends 126 times last year. Now, obviously it's a different team, all that stuff, but it's not like he's getting a quarterback who ignores the tight end. Like, so this offense, this offense might struggle at times. Sure. But I don't think that's a huge concern because they're probably going to be in some negative game scripts and Hawkinson is going to see a ton of targets because of that. Um, one other thing I want to address is that I've been told, well, Sure, this year, that's fine. But in the future, they're going to add a lot more pass catchers down the road. But the thing is, I mean, if he establishes himself as an elite tight end, they're not going to just bring in a whole bunch of new guys and stop throwing him the ball. So I think his targets are going to remain consistent going forward. And I wanted to read this tweet that Corey, uh, one of our writers, put out earlier today. He, he said, 2021 TJ Hawkinson greater than 2015 Gary Barnage. Three and 13 Browns produced a tight end that had 125 targets, 1,000 yards, and nine touchdowns. No reason the 2021 Lions can't do the same for Hawkinson. And I think that's like a great way to show like an offense that's probably going to sputter at times, going to struggle. They can still put the ball in, you know, they're can I play devil's making tight end fans. Sure, go ahead. For a second, I expect the Lions to be bad. Um, but what if they're not? I mean, Jared Goff's not – we're talking – okay, i got to be careful how to say this. We're talking about a number of former one – former number one overall pick who took his team to a Super Bowl, has a few Pro Bowl appearances, is, you know, shown over the past few years he's at least, a, at worst, a capable starting QB. I understand McVay has a lot to do with that, but he's also got – um, DeAndre Swift, you know, they spent a second rounder on him. TJ Hawkinson, they spent a first rounder on him, and he's primed, ready to have a huge year. He could easily act as a, like a star wide receiver one if you really wanted him to. And then you have, you know, decent backups with Perriman and Cephas. And they have some talent on the defense, and they addressed it in the draft, and they've got a coach who I think he's going to work. Um, what if the Lions aren't bad this year? What if they're a seven and ten team? What if they're an eight and nine team? I mean, like, I think that's in the possibilities. I don't think that that team's just going to go roll over there, roll over, and just give up to the number one overall spot. I think, you know, I think if that happens, I mean, the only logical 
thing that I can think of would be that TJ Hawkinson's value goes up even more. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, if that happens, he goes absolutely nuts and probably Swift too. Um, yeah, exactly. It's in the realm of possibilities for sure. And if you see, uh, if you're a tight end and you get 100 plus targets, you're pretty much guaranteed to be a top five tight end. I think there's been three instances in the last four seasons that a, that a hundred target tight end didn't finish top five. Otherwise there's every tight end who gets a hundred targets finishes top five. So, okay. So here, I got another question. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what that offense is going to look like. He Dan Campbell's not bringing up the Sean Payton, Alvin Kamara offense. He's a tight end himself. Maybe he thinks – maybe he's a horrible coach. Maybe he's like, you know what we need to do? TJ Hawkinson, on every down, you are going to seal the edge. And he's like – he runs like 10 routes a game. I mean, like, and what if he's not even, like, the leading receiver? I mean, like, that's also in the possibility. We have no idea what to expect with this Lions offense. You can, you can look and you can guess and you can – go look up, you know, their offensive coordinators and their history and stuff and get a pretty good idea. But you don't really know until you get there. And we've crowned this guy who's a damn good player. But, I mean, what if that doesn't well, happen? I mean, I mean, I understand your concern, but at the same time, like, if you're coming into this offense and you're a new coach, like, you're going to rely on somebody like T.J. I hope so, you know. Especially if you – I mean, no doubt he's been watching film of how they've utilized him in the past – he was his slot snap rate was about 22%, which is pretty good for a tight end. That's really what you want to see um, from a pass have some, tight end. What's Waller's? Like, do you, does anybody know how what Darren well, Waller's slot rate would be? Because if they used him similar to that, I mean, because I think if they use him, like, if Darren Waller's slot rate is like 50%, then that's going to be a huge air of concern for. Hawkinson's potential ceiling if he's on the edge well he's only the thing about Waller he's only at 14 percent slot rate but that's he plays out wide he plays out wide a lot yeah that's why which I don't think they'll necessarily do with Hawkinson but no he's 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 you want him in the middle of the field eating. exactly and so that leads me to you know these receivers right so you've they brought in uh Tyrell Williams Brashad Perriman whatever those guys are probably you know, wide receiver four or five, whatever. The thing is, I'm a little concerned about them because they're kind of known more as deep threats. And that's where, you know, Hawkinson and even Amon Ross St. Brown can really kind of take over the middle of the field. But you look at Goff and I mean, he's not really a deep ball thrower. When you look at his, you know, air yards per attempt, 6.3 he's at the bottom of the league and pretty much all of his yards per attempt and his deep, his deep ball completion percentage was 27 last year, 32nd in the league. So that kind of worries me that they surrounded him with Perriman and Williams guys that are, you know, deep route runners. That's why I see a lot of Hawkinson in the middle of the field as well. Um, how, can, how is yeah, he 32nd in the league when he's one of the best deep ball throwers in the league? Like he's got one of the most beautiful throws. I mean, like, Jared Goff's strength has been his accuracy his entire career. How is that possible? Is it because he takes so many more shots than everybody else? No, because his his uh, hang on, let me find it. I went to 2019. Like Jared Goff, Jared Goff's career is going to be longevity because of his accuracy. That blows my mind. 
His yards per attempt was 7.1, 22nd in the league. His air yards per attempt was 6.3, which was 34th in the league. So but what is not it even... in prior years? This year was more of – they kind of were more conservative this year, it felt like. Like, what was it last year, like in 2019? The numbers change on here. In a good way or a bad way? Deep ball completion percentage in 2019 was 29.6 number, so 30th in the league. Interesting. His pass attempt distance overall was number eight in the league. Um, so it seems like he was taking more shots, but so probably more shots. But because yeah. I mean, he dude, he throws a beautiful ball. He does. So that's why I wanted to. Okay. Well. Interesting, interesting enough. I mean, we'll see how he compliments, you know, Perriman and, and Williams. But I think I think those two will be the starters on the outside. Amonra probably in the slot. And then I think Hawkinson will eat over the middle. Um, I still think Cephas is an interesting guy to hold on to. I don't think he's going to be a huge breakout guy, but I do think he's interesting to hold on to. Sam's laughing at me. I have to mention him, right? I think. Yeah. I mean, Perriman and Williams, those guys have a long injury history. Um, I don't think those guys will be worth a damn. Um, And Amandra St. Brown, like, is no slouch. Like, he was thought of as a day two guy all day, and he fell to day three. Like, his perception has completely changed across the fantasy community because he fell to day three. But for the past two years, I've been hearing, you know, that from the fantasy community that Amandra St. Brown's going to be a superstar. So, like, he falls to the fourth round to the Lions and doesn't have that potential. I mean, like, what if he just turns out to be the guy that he's always supposed to be? You know, I mean, like, that's also possible. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. And if you haven't listened to our My Guys episode, Andrew broke him down um, as his rookie. I don't know if you have anything to add, Andrew. Uh, no, nah, I was going to say, as far as what you've covered so far, um, I think you all brought up some valid points as far as uh, something I didn't hear mentioned. The Lions have one of the better offensive lines, I believe, out there. So that's going to help with the protection up front. And Goff has always been at his best when he's in not under pressure. So that's, that's only going to help strengthen the case for the offense as a whole. Uh, Hawkinson, I mean, you've laid out the case beautifully. Just got to remember he's the best weapon on their field. And talent always rises to the top. He's also their best red zone weapon. So even if they have fewer trips, he's the first option to go to. Um, outside that, yeah, I'm on Ross St. Brown in the slot. I think he's going to be a fantastic underneath option. One of those security blankets for golf, especially man's third and short. Fine. Find this guy, get the first down. He's not a special athlete, but he's talented enough with short intermediate areas of the field. I think he's going to have a role, especially for the price you have to get him for. Yeah. So PFF has them as the 10th best offensive line coming into this year, which is huge. That's, that's a great point about golf. He does do a lot better when he has a clean pocket. Um, and I haven't even brought up Swift yet, but that helps Swift a lot. I think I'm probably a little lower on Swift than most people. He's going as RB 12 right now, but his talent is undeniable. I mean, he could definitely be a stud. He has tremendous upside, but he's going before like CEH, uh, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, JK Dobbins, some guys that I personally would rather have just because, I still think this offense might struggle to move the ball at times. I do think that Jamal Williams is going to be pretty involved, um, but I do think Swift will get a fair amount of targets. And so I have him more as like a mid RB two, but depending on that target total, if he, you know, if he gets a ton, if he gets 
I mean, man, he could see like 70, 80 targets this year. And if that happens, he could, he has the potential to be an RB1 for sure. But I have him more as kind of a mid RB2. Yeah, so um, in, the, in the interest of time, let's go ahead and move on to the Green Bay Packers. Sam, uh, go ahead and take the lead on them. What do you got for this offense? I'm going to do this in the world of two realities. Um, reality one, Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback week one. Uh, reality two, Aaron Rodgers is not the starting quarterback week one. Um, I'm going to make this pretty simple, and you can't really mess this up. Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback week one. You have a QB one, a running back one, and – Aaron Jones, a top three wide receiver at worst in Devontae Adams and a tight end one in um, Robert Tanyan, a potential wide receiver two in Amari Rogers and a potential RB2 in A.J. Dillon. Um, every single guy right now is fine with their ADP. Um, I mean, the Packers offense is really simple this year, if you want to believe it or not. That's, that's, that's reality one. Um, in reality, too, is Jordan Love is starting week one. Um, if that's the case, then, I mean, Aaron Jones is probably still a fringe RB1 right in that range. Um, Devontae Adams will still be a wide receiver one. He's too good not to. Um, and he's, you know, he's the guy. Um, Robert Tanyan will probably be a tight end, too. Um Amari Rodgers is probably be a wide receiver three. He'll be a valuable flex piece. Um, you know, and Jordan Love will probably be a QB two. Like he probably finishes like a QB like eighteen maybe. I don't know. I mean, if he's good, I mean we don't know. Um, I really want him to be good, and I, for very personal reasons, so I can continue winning championships against Ryan. I want him to be good, but um, I don't know, and it, it's everybody loses a little bit of value, but they're still playable. Um, they're a very well-coached team. They're going to win some games. So there'll still be some fantasy value in Green Bay. Um, and I know that's short, but that's honestly all I have for Green Bay because I feel like that sums it all up together. And do you guys have anything? Yeah, I do. I just, I agree with you for the most part. And I think, you know, no matter who's playing quarterback, Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams are just really good players and they will be wide receiver one RB one. Um, <clears throat> Tunyon, I wrote about him after the season and, and tweeted a lot about him actually and some threads. And he's just it's it's a lot more obvious now to fade him, but even like right after the season, he was a guy identified as a as a huge uh a guy to take a huge step back. So he had 52 receptions, which was the fewest of any tight end in the top 12. He had 586 receiving yards, which was the second fewest of any top 12 tight end. He made his living on his 11 touchdowns, which a lot of pack, a lot of players, tight ends especially, you know, their value hinges on touchdowns. But I just don't think he's going to be able to replicate eleven touchdowns on fifty-two receptions. That's kind of unrealistic, especially. You're, you're especially, the reason I kind of just meh. I mean, I mean, you're the yeah. reason. Yeah, like I was like, oh, okay, like I didn't know that. Like that was a good piece of analysis, and I'm like, oh, like. You know, Mario Rogers is better than catching footballs. Um, Devin Funches is back. And, like, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so I, that's just my only thing is just I'm fading. Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you specified. I mean, that's, that's an important piece of information. I mean, I, that's a really good tidbit to learn right there. Yeah, I would say uh, one name I don't remember if I just heard a second ago, uh, A.J. Dillon. 
as a uh, another handcuff receiver. That's someone that I would definitely be wanting to watch for a long season. I think they're going to work him more in and be that Jamal Williams type role this year. He's not too bad catching the ball from everything that they've been reporting out there. Of course, we know Aaron Jones should rightfully so see the most targets and the most touches overall. But with a long season, it's always good to have that handcuff just sitting, waiting, ready to go. There might be some weeks where we start seeing them do like a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt type role. They both have their opportunities, and they could be just a bi-week fill-in replacement on the flex roster if you need to. Uh, overall, though, I I'd agree. Robert Tunyon, he's not inside my top 12 tight ends because of that risk. But, again, if his talent proves to come through with Aaron Rodgers back, then he could easily come back and finish up higher, but he's going to need a bigger volume. He's the only tight end I think I've seen in the past six years that was able to finish that high with anywhere close to like 60 targets or less. So the dude needs to come up probably about another 20, 25 targets minimum to have another realistic chance. And Chad, as you said earlier, it'd be real nice if he got close to 100. I just don't know if we're going to see that with him. So you're really making on those touchdowns if you're going with Tunyon as your tight end one. Yeah, and just another thing, even on, you know, even even with that in mind, Rodgers threw for 48 touchdowns last year. The last three years, he threw for 16, 25, and 26. So even if it is Rodgers and it's, you know, an explosive pass offense, that 48 touchdowns that he threw last year, even that's an outlier, you know, even for Rodgers. And I know, I don't know the stat off the top of my head. I'd have to search for it. But I know that they were pretty high up there in terms of throwing for short touchdowns. Uh, so that's another kind of regression statistic that Rodgers, Rodgers or Love, whoever it is, I can almost guarantee they won't throw for 48 touchdowns next year. And probably they won't have as high of a rate as short touchdown passes as they did last year, if that makes sense. Yeah, but all I'm hearing right there is Aaron Jones is a nice value play right now because, I mean, we know he's locked in the next couple of years. That was always a big concern. Where is Aaron Jones going to go? But, I mean, he's got the workhorse role locked up, it looks like, in Green Bay finally. And if they keep using him that way, it's more likely that they're going to run the ball inside the five than they are to continuously pass, even with a quarterback like Rodgers back there. So the touchdown opportunity should be pretty high for him among the league again. So if you can get him as a, as a value player right now, I think it might be worth rotating, trying to get him onto your rosters if you're competing. If not, he's a sell high the second his first big game comes up. If you are just dire need to rebuild. Yeah, yeah. He's going as RB Aaron Jones going to RB15 on DLF right now, which I think is pretty good value for him if you're uh competing. Anders making the money, the cash signs with his hands, which I agree with. So good value there. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Vikings. Sam, I know you've got some thoughts about this offense, so why don't you share with us? Yeah, um, I'm excited. I, I watch every Vikings game every year. I've kind of been like a – I root for them, um, and I'm also a huge Dalvin Cook fan. Um, Dalvin Cook's top five running back if he's healthy. If he goes down, you're, you're in trouble. Better get Alexander Madison and then whoever is probably the backup after him if something happens to Dalvin. Um, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one, dude's a superstar. Um, hoping he gets even better. Um, 
Adam Thielen, he's at least a wide receiver too. Um, if he's healthy, he's a really good football player. Um, he always catches like 15 touchdowns at see him somehow. Um, I mean, he's getting older. I mean, he's more likely to deal with injury this year, um, but that's probably baked into his ADP now. So when you're drafting him, you're not drafting him as your wide receiver one. Um, not even probably your wide receiver two in some cases or most cases. So, I mean, he's fine as ADP. Um, he's not somebody I ever like owning. Um Personally, it's just, there's, I don't know. There's, there's sometimes everybody has players they just don't like to touch for some reason. Now, that's me for Adam Thielen. Um, Herb Smith, Herb Smith is interesting because um, he's the clear starter, but Tyler Clock Conklin's going to have a role, but he won't, I don't think he'll have enough to be fantasy relevant unless Herb goes down. Um, and Herb at the end of the, the season last year. Um, I think, believe it was like the last five, five games when he took over as the starter was running like routes on like 63% of snaps um, and his numbers jumped and he was productive for good reason. I expect somewhat similar to that this year. I think he's a very obvious candidate for a breakout tight end. Um, you know, and uh, with that, you know, um, He's at least a safe, like, wide tight end 15 and above now. Um, how high he goes depends on how much volume he gets. Um, and we got Kirk. Oh, Captain Kirk. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. They'll win eight and nine games. The dude will burn you a few games. He'll win you a few weeks. Kirk's frustrating as hell to own. Um there's weeks he's going to blow up and have big weeks. There's weeks he's going to burn you. There's, there's weeks he's going to stress you the hell out until he actually does something in the fourth quarter when they're down by 14. Um, he, he's a reliable QB2. We don't, we don't want him as a QB1 if you're in super flex leagues. He's probably not drafted in QB1 leagues, which is fine um, for most cases. Um, he's Kirk. I mean, you know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. Um, if something happens to him, Kellen Mond will be thrown in the fire. They really like him. He's not ready. It'd be a roller coaster, and everybody's performances would go up and down. Um, Dalvin's would probably take a little bit of a hit. Um, Justin Jefferson's would probably take a large hit if Kellen Mond comes in. Um, unless this kid's Dak Prescott 2.0. So, I mean, that's possible too, but – you never know, um, but that's kind of where I see everything right now up in Minnesota, and I'm just excited to watch because I love kind of being a Vikings fan. But I'm not really a Vikings fan. I just watch every game and root for them. But, like, I'm not obsessed, you know? Yeah, I get it. That's how I am with the with the Browns pretty much, and that's why I talked about them last, last week. But I just want to add on Kirk Cousins. I was surprised to see this. I think he's a great, like, QB2, like, super flex, second quarterback, something like that. The last six seasons, he's finished as QB8, QB5, QB6, QB13, QB18, and QB11, which really surprised me. I didn't realize he had strung, uh, you know, that good of finishes together six seasons in a row. So I think he's a – I don't want to say underrated, but I just think he's a good, solid, uh, you know, second quarterback in a two-QB or super flex type of league. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you know the big names of this offense. Cook's going to eat. Jefferson's going to eat. Thielen's getting up there, but he's still going to eat. I'm, 
I really liked Irv, Smir- Irv Smith, but I think the hype has grown a lot. And I don't know if I'm quite there on him in terms of him having like a big breakout season, but I think he's fine as like a fringe tight end one, two kind of, kind of guy. I also wanted to talk about me or Smith Marset. Um, he's a really interesting dart throw. He's really fast. He runs, he's a really good route runner. Uh, Matt loves him um, for good reason. Um, Minnesota has shown that they can develop wide receivers um, like they did with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And, you know, if they typically if they find a guy who wants to work and has the tools, they put it together. Um, and Amir Smith has the ability to work and the tools. So I kind of expect him to put it together. It just may not be this year. Um, so he's probably not drafted in your redraft leagues and that's fine, but keep an eye out on for him. I mean, like you definitely need to know who he is. Um, if you're not a dynasty player and if you're a dynasty player, I mean, go trade for him. If you got a burnt spot in a pick, you're looking to burn. Um, cause he's really interesting. Um, he's going to be a punt returner and a kick returner. Um, and he's got a clear shot to be the, the three, um, and he'll be on the field. So, I mean, he's interesting. And I mean, I wanted to talk about him just a little bit cause yeah, I mean, he's absolutely worth a discussion. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially if something, Adam, especially if something happens to Adam Thielen. Yeah. Well, and Adam Thielen is, he'll be 31 this year. So he's not necessarily a pillar of health. Exactly. So, you know, and especially next year, like you said, you know, Thielen will be 32 next season. And I think, I think Amir Smith-Marset is currently their probably like third, like best, you know, most athletic or best player at the wide receiver position. The rest of the guys are kind of just guys out there. So I think he definitely has a chance to be their wide receiver three this year. Um, and maybe, you know, their wide receiver two, eventually you look at him, Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith being the core pass catchers uh, of the future there. We'll see, but the, the really interesting thing about um, Adam Thielen is, is the way his contract's um, set up. He signed all the way until 2024 when he'd be 34. Um, but there's a potential out after 2021 for a two-year $24 million deal, and it'd be $16.5 million a cap. But in 2021 – after the season, they can cut him and only have $1.8 dead cap. Um, so if he gets hurt and has a bad year and, you know, hey, Amir Smith, Smart Smith, it was really showing us some potential here. You know, we feel like we could, you know, I mean, like that's possible. And they can move off Adams in. I don't really expect them to, but there's that out. Um, it's fairly clearly noted that it was like initially like a two-year deal where then if they decided to go on, then they take on the bigger chunk is the way that appears it's been written. So that's interesting. And, you know, I mean, like you should probably see if you can get Amir Smith-Marset and see what happens because he's totally worth it. Yeah, I mean, y'all pretty much hit everything I was going to go with. Um, I will say I'm not really believing that um, I would be super confident Adam Thielen coming back in producing a receiver two number this season, uh, mostly because we know touchdowns are not super efficient at coming back year after year after year. Uh, for example, he had 14 touchdowns this year, but he had a total of 15 touchdowns the past two seasons combined. So, I mean, if he ends up dropping back down and he doesn't somehow get looked at for every single red zone attempt, it felt like with Kirk Cousins this next season, yeah, I mean, the guy could obviously be a candidate for uh, someone that's going to fall back. Now, of course, it's 
price tag for any dynasty startup right now or even a continuing dynasty league. It's not like it's going to be super expensive. So I understand the appeal of it, but I think I'd rather just just move him when I can because I just don't know if he's going to be a long-term asset to be focused on. Uh, Justin Jefferson, of course, we just saw what he did as a rookie. Super elite category with the finish he had. I went back and looked. Um, for example, Michael Thomas, who was the big receiver one past couple of years. I mean, he had a better season up until Michael Thomas's third season. Even got close to what Jefferson did as a rookie. And we remember he didn't play that much that first two games. So uh, if you're getting him as your receiver one, I don't think you got an issue there. Irv Smith, I think he's my tight end nine. He's right there after that big second tier of tight ends for me with Fant, Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews, and Goddard. So, I mean, if you want him right there around tight end nine, I think he's going to give you probably a back end tight end one finish. I understand it. I understand if you're cautious of it because there is so many mouths to feed with that offense as a whole. If Irv steps up, that's where I think Thielen's going to see his production drop as a whole. Um, Smith-Marset, man, all you got to do is listen to Matt talk on any podcast. This dude, he has the weapons and has the tools to develop behind the scenes this year and be something down the road. But right now he is just going to be a taxi stash. And, of course, we know Dalvin Cook. He's going to eat. He's going to be great. Hoping to do stay healthy this year. Yeah, I mean – I think we're all pretty much in agreement on the kind of big names of this offense and what they're going to do this year. I just to know Irv Smith going as tight end 13, I think, I think he's definitely capable of outproducing that. Um, especially like you said, he could take some of that Adam Thielen production because as he gets older and he's, you know, some of that production is going to fall off, especially the the touchdown totals. I like it for the ADP. I'll say I do have him ranked right there on nine because I think he does step up and take some options in the red zone, uh, red zone away from Thielen. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he's going after Evan Ingram and Robert Tunyon, who we just talked about. I'd much rather have Irv Smith than, than Tunyon or either one of those guys. So, uh, but that's going to do it for us. Um, that's the NFC North in a nutshell. We will be back next week to talk about the AFC South. So uh, make sure to be back with us next week. In the meantime, head on over to ffballallday.com. Check out a lot of our free content. It's great stuff. And like Sam mentioned earlier, uh, go get the Patreon for free on August 1st. We got a lot, a lot of good stuff coming, especially, you know, as things heat up here in August, we'll have a lot of updates for you. So head on over there um, and we'll see you next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 